went to bed and in the night I had a huge stroke and I couldn't speak and I was on the floor as well. My daughter called an ambulance, which was amazing. She was a hero. I hadn't a clue about strokes, but I was asleep most of the time. So the ambulance came and the medics said, Joe's had a big stroke. I walked again with a stick. Originally, I was in a wheelchair, but I thought, no, I'm, I'm not doing that, so I want to walk. And then I went to Malvern with my mother and father, physio every day, walking, and I said, I want to drive. The flat was empty, and I said to my father, I want to go to London, Chiswick again, and Dad said, okay. But my friends are there and my split partner's there, so we're a family. I've adapted to everything. I go to the shops for supermarkets and one-handed I put the trolley and I mean, it's awful, honestly, because I'm wobbling as well. Everyone knows. So I just have to adapt. I'm Mark Goodyear, and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. In this episode today, we'll hear from two survivors, Joe Doody and Terence Tomlin. First, we hear from Joe, who's from Chiswick in London, UK, who suffered a stroke at the age of 44. I was working in Deloitte in the city. And I smoked and I had kidney disease as well, which was not very good. I was stressed from work, obviously, because I was a recruitment consultant and my job was scheduling manager as well. And my daughter was eight at the time and I felt a headache and it was my birthday as well. And we went out just for a night out and on Sunday I went to the market with Alia and my daughter and then we went home and I cooked supper I went to bed and in the night I had a huge stroke and I couldn't speak and I was on the floor as well my daughter called an ambulance which was amazing she was a hero I hadn't a clue about strokes, but I was asleep most of the time. So the ambulance came and the medics said, Joe's had a big stroke. So we went to the Charing Cross Hospital in London. I nearly died, basically. My brain is half dead and it was touch or go. But eventually it was five days after I woke up and I didn't know what I was doing. And the doctor said, you've had a stroke. And I said, what? I didn't know what it was. So it was six months I lived there in Charing Cross, physio every day, because I've got, I'm paralysed down one arm and hand as well. So I'm with a stick as well. And then I discharged hospital and then I went to Roehampton in London. It's a rehab centre as well and it's excellent. Three months and then I 
walked again with a stick. Originally, I was in a wheelchair, but I thought, no, I'm, I'm not doing that, so I want to walk. And then I went to Malvern with my mother and father, physio every day, walking, and I said, I want to drive. My speech was bad, but I said, I want to drive now. And the physio said, oh, no, because I've got one hand. My father said, we can do driving. We'll try. My dad got a car, a new car, and I drove about five miles. And the physio said, oh, my God, you're driving now. And I said, see, I have done it. Jo had to adapt to her new life once returning home. The flat was empty and I right. said to my father, I want to go to London, Chiswick again. And Dad said, OK. But my friends are there and my split partner's there, so we're a family. I've adapted to everything. I go to the shops for supermarkets and one-handed I put the trolley and... I mean, it's awful, honestly, because I'm wobbling as well. Everyone knows. So I just have to adapt. In physio in Roehampton, they said, what about every day in your flat? What are you going to do every day? So I said, well, I want to spread the butter one-handed. So I bought a spreader and I spread it one-handed and it's amazing. And I've adapted shoelaces one-handed, bra one-handed, a shower one-handed, the bath one-handed. So I've just had to practice all the time. Coming up in the second part of Stroke Stories. We are planned to go out and all I remember is that I kept feeling like I was like gravity was pulling me to the right. And I felt like my equilibrium was just so off. Like, what is going on? The next thing I knew, it was Thursday. I was in a coma. They told me later on that I flatlined for 52 seconds. And they brought me back. The coma dream was me walking through the streets back in Bridgeport. And nobody was out, no cars were out, nothing. I was seeing people that had passed away. I was talking to them and I was telling them, hey, I'm an executive chef in DC, I'm doing big things. They would just looked at me, they wouldn't say anything. And then finally, an old family friend that passed, he told me, he says, it's not your time. And my friends from here in Chesapeake invited me to come and stay with them and be their private chef, start my life over. Then I went to the World Food Championship and came in number 11. And after that, I was getting ready to go overseas to go to the Vocos Dior, and then the COVID hit. So being that I came from Rich Carlton, I had pandemic training. So I put together a team, and since March 2020, I've done 217 fine dining dinners. The advice that I would give to a stroke survivor is do not give up. And if you have a loved one that you take care of, 
Just have patience with them. They're gonna cry. I cried more than I probably did my whole life. Our guest is Terence Tomlin, originally from Bridgeport, Connecticut, and he suffered a stroke at the age of 47. I moved from Connecticut to the D.C. area in 2002. And i have been working at so many different restaurants and different retail places. Bridgeport, where I come from, is a very violent city. I was born and raised there. So once I moved to D.C. and I started seeing the high-end stores and the restaurants that we go on to see in magazines and stuff, I wanted to be involved. And I, I cooked at the Rich Carlton in the Pentagon City, across the street from the Pentagon, and worked at Brooks Brothers and Gucci and Nordstrom and did whatever I had to do to try to make it. The only thing I remember... It was Sunday. It was actually the day after what would have been my fifth wedding anniversary. We had planned to go out. And all I remember is that I kept feeling like I was, like gravity was pulling me to the right. And I felt like my equilibrium was just so off. Like, what is going on? The next thing I knew, it was Thursday. I was in a coma. They told me later on that I flatlined for 52 seconds, and they brought me back. The coma dream was me walking through the streets back in Bridgeport, and nobody was out. No cars were out, nothing. I was seeing people that had passed away. I was talking to them, and I was telling them, hey, I'm an executive chef in D.C. I'm doing big things. They just looked at me. They would say anything. And finally, an old family friend that passed, he told me, he says, not your time. They had to check all your vitals. So you got a ventilator in your mouth and your throat is almost scratchy. Body's paralyzed. I was just like a shambles. I couldn't remember certain faces. I knew who my wife was, but I couldn't remember anything. Terence went through a grueling recovery plan. They tried to get me to walk. My, my right side was so weak. They put the big belt on you, around your waist, and help you walk. And, you know, you feel like a little kid because they bring you in the room and they basically have, like, occupational therapy pieces. They look like toys. To see if you have, you know, well, where's your motor skills? You know, where you, where you are, like, everybody in there. When I think about it, it's like the saddest thing because everybody's going real slow and there's a lot going on around you. You have to do your best not to get overstimulated. I started teaching myself how to walk again. I started using the power of one and I used that wheelchair and I walked. I fell a thousand times. I remember I lived on the fourth floor in this condo. I pressed the elevator. Elevator is broken. So I got to climb the steps. I got to leave the wheelchair and I got to hop four floors. I urinated all over myself. I got blood on my hand. I go in the apartment and I fall on the floor and I was like, God, is this how it ends? But I picked myself up and I called a friend in the building 
And he went downstairs and got my wheelchair and brought it back upstairs. And he was trying to give me a pep talk, like, you know, hold your head the whole night. Okay, cool. My memory started coming back a little bit. I spent a lot of times looking at food I used to make and I would cry because I don't remember. So I started making different kinds of food, like the best I knew how. It caught the attention of the Maryland Restaurant Association. And they asked me to be in the Foodie Fest. It's like 300 restaurants in Maryland. So I was like, well, how much is it? They said it was $125 to get in. I was like, dude, I just went from making six figures to $1,800 a month for disability. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. I told my best friend. My best friend said, I'm going to pay it. You're going to go. So I paid it. And I went. And unbeknownst to me, I won. With one hand, all the, all the chefs were making all kinds of wild stuff. They had with Chris out there, seafood, all the big dogs. And they had chef coats with buttons and pins and medals. It's just being in a little grandma cart with a juicer. And I made a dish. I juiced the corn, mixed it with orzo mango. And the judges loved it. And after that, my friends from here in Chesapeake invited me to come and stay with them and be their private chef, start my life over. Then I went to the World Food Championship and came in number 11. And after that, I was getting ready to go overseas to go to the Bucos Dior, and then the COVID hit. So being that I came from the Rich Carlton, I had pandemic training. So I put together a team. And since March 2020, I've done 217 fine dining dinners. Terrence thinks the key is to persevere. The advice that I would give to a stroke survivor is do not give up. And if you have a loved one that you take care of, just have patience with them. They're going to cry. I cried more than I probably did my whole life. I cry now. I cried last night. But it's not always pain. I'm a kid from the ghetto that came from Dunstan. I was one of eight black executive chefs out of 270 restaurants in D.C. Since I've been down here, it's been going quite well. No complaints, no regrets. Both of the stroke survivors in this episode have undergone huge changes in their lives as a result of their strokes, but neither have let their experiences get the better of them. Joe is making great progress, adapting to life with the use of one hand, and Terence is back doing what he does best, being a chef. Coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories. The headache slowly turned into a migraine, which I had for another 10 days before seeing my family physician at which time he told me I was in serious condition. I needed to go to the hospital, and upon arriving there, I was told that I had an aneurysm on my right vertebral artery and a dissection above that. And at that time, they transferred me to another hospital where I was met by a neurological surgical team that put me in neurological ICU for the next 10 days. 
Thank you for listening and for recommending. If there's somebody you can share stroke stories with, please do. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please get in touch. Our DMs are always open on Twitter and Instagram. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.